episode 12, Loaded Bases. Super excited to release this one. Just know that you guys will be seeing this name in the near future as well. I can't say for what though, but it's Tony Capicelli. Let's do it. Loaded bases. We have Tony Capicelli here. How's it going? We're going all right. How you doing? Just trying to survive like every other day yeah. during this mm-hmm. crazy time. Yeah. Definitely. So what is your job title? What do you do? So I'm the manager of the Ogden Raptors. Um, it's our short season affiliate with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, this is my first year managing or would be or should be, however you want to word that. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the, the current situation, uh, baseball is not looking very promising at our level. But um, yeah, that's my that's my title right now. Nice. So tell me a little bit about what you've been doing during quarantine time to stay ready. Um, you know, we've had, so we're really lucky, like our leadership in terms of our coordinators, um, you know, our farm director, Will Rhymes, we've got, we've got guys that are very invested in our players, not, not to say other organizations are not invested, but mm-hmm. like our guys are very, we're very invested in our guys. And so it's been a huge, um, priority for us to keep guys ready, um, have, you know, if there is a season, yeah. um, so make sure, make sure there is a, is a um, a level of them being prepared. But in addition to that, you know, trying to keep their minds in the right place, you know, obviously this is a really difficult time. As hard as it is for us as staff, it's, it's much more difficult for the players. Um, A lot of uncertainty for them, you know, it's a very tough situation for those guys to be dealing with. And especially given the timing of them spending their off season, getting their mind and their body prepared to go. And then, you know, spring training starts up and there's a lot of excitement. And then all of a sudden, you know, gets shut down. Yeah. And and also without having any sort of an idea of when we're going to start back up, it was yeah. you know, at first we're, we're thinking it's going to be a couple of weeks to a month, you know, and then we're rolling into the second month. We're like, okay, you know, now we're ready to get back. And, you know, all of a sudden we're in June going, oh my God, how long is this going to last? So yeah. we've really done a good job, I think, of keeping in contact with our players and, and giving them different types of things to do to, you know, keep their minds in the right place and, and hopefully keep their body in, in shape, um, whether it be for this season or, to make sure they're on track starting 2021. Oh yeah. Cause baseball is a very routine game. I mean, cause you got to be mentally ready at all times. It's, it's very scheduled mm-hmm. and with not having a schedule, that would, that would be, it'd be kind yeah, of frustrating. It is. It's very frustrating. It's frustrating for us as staff to have to answer to the players because rightfully so they've got questions about, you know, when they're going to be able to get back to work. Mm. Um, you know, and so it's, it's hard, you know, you, we always tell them, if you have any questions, if you need anything, you know, please let us know. And then they call us or they text and say, like, hey, what do you got? You know, and it's like, I, I don't know. And, you know, our, our bosses, our leadership's been outstanding and like, Hey, if you guys got any questions, let us know and we'll answer them the best we can. And, and so we forward all those questions the players have and they just don't have an answer. And, and it's not, you know, for any other reason other than they, there just isn't an answer that anybody has right now. Mm. So as everybody's doing the best they can, um, they're just, they're in a really tough spot right now with, with nobody knowing anything. Um, yeah. It's, it's, oh, I mean like on my side, like as a fan, I'm just watching Twitter all day just to see, I mean like if I can get any information just to think. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's like, and then something comes out and it's like, well, you know, the players have done this, the owners have done that and it, it's looking promising. 
and then you know the end of the day comes and nothing nothing's moving forward um so obviously today it looks like there's some promising news yep. and hopefully it's, it's looking good from here on out um you know and that's it's the best we can we can do given this the current situation um i don't know what's going to happen with the minor leagues i mm-hmm. i can't i can't see a situation where we're having a season but you know things can change rapidly um but you also don't want that effect to roll into next year you know the following draft after this year was you know the five rounds so i think things are very fluid right now and so we're mm-hmm. hoping to i think they're trying to really minimize the long-term effect as much as they can which i don't know how possible that is but they'll, they'll do yeah. the best they can well because baseball has been the same for a long time but now with this pandemic happen it's i feel that it's going to change yeah well and that's we've all talked about it. Are, are we done playing in front of packed stadiums yeah you know, are, are we ever going to see that again like are are the guys that are coming up are they ever going to get a chance to play in front of a, a full crowd and, and you know really get to experience that and you know who, who knows what's going to happen i mean we're going to be coaching first and third base wearing a mask and have to you know, not have any contact with the players when they're on, on base like i, I don't know what's going to happen so this could have some serious impact i don't, I don't know what it means though i'm kind of anxious to see what happens i mean mm-hmm. like on the player side and even the staff side it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, so when you were younger, did you always want to be a coach or did you always want to work in baseball? Yeah, that was my goal. Um, you know, when I was playing in high school, I wanted to, I knew I was going to coach. Um, you know, I was, I was hoping my career would last a little bit longer as a player than it, than it eventually did, um, yeah. as most people do. But you know, I, I knew I was going to coach when I was done playing. And so I've, probably had a little bit different path into coaching than a lot of people have, but you know, it's, it's not good, bad or otherwise, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with that, yeah, it's, it's definitely been something I've wanted to do for a long time. So tell me, so how did you get into coaching? I guess after playing college. So my, my senior year of college at the university of Nevada was wildly mediocre and, you know, holding out hope that I was going to get drafted like every other player in the country does. Yeah. And, you know, didn't get drafted and went out and played independent ball. Um, I, I had no real options. And I showed up in Kenosha, Wisconsin at a, at a stadium and just asked for a tryout. And it's kind of wild how I ended up getting signed. And then yeah. my, play, my playing of independent ball really only lasted about two, two and a half weeks. Um, I threw a guy out at third base and my shoulder blew out and that was kind of it. And that was in the summer of 2003. And so I went back to Reno to finish school and ended up kind of deciding to go back home to to Huntington Beach, California Mm -hmm. in the spring. Um, And so I decided to call my old, my old high school um, and just ask, you know, if they need any coaches. And this is, you know, nine months after I got done playing in college. And he said, yeah, they, that they needed a freshman, a freshman head coach. So I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, that sounds kind of, kind of fun. Like it's, it's better than in. nothing. Yeah. You know, let's give it a try and see if I like this coaching thing that I've really wanted to do. So I got in, um, I was a freshman head coach at Edison high school for a year. Um, and that was kind of my, my way in, um, into coaching and it's just kind of moved on from there. So tell me, how did you end up in Trout Lake, Washington? Long story short, I was I was playing I was playing summer ball up in um, up in Tacoma, mm-hmm. and 
I was playing for Brian Billings, who's the not head coach at um, Pacific University in Portland. Okay. I think Portland, Portland area. And at the time, Brian was the head coach at the University of Puget Sound. And so he had asked me if I would coach there. I, I was going to coach at University of Puget Sound. It was a Division three school and really liked Tacoma. And I was, I was definitely good with staying right there. Um, and when I went up there, I've got a sister that lives up in the uh, little east of Vancouver. And she had told me that there was a, a job for a, um, a baseball coach at Trout Lake. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I actually decided to move up there. What did end up not taking the job at Puget Sound. Um, I decided I was going to try and play more. So I was kind of working out and trying to, you know, get my arm back in shape after my injury. And so, you know, I turned in my, my application and resume and I drove out there and, you know, I got a deer crossing the street and I'm like yep. in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And, you know, I'm on like this road and it's a two lane road, um, like 14 miles inland from the river. And, you know, I turned into the school and everybody was super nice. And so I ended up getting a job as a head coach there. Uh, I had one year of coaching under my belt. I was staying with our athletic director at the time. And I was like kind of spending time walking to walking to work every day. Yeah. It was kind of, it was so random. Like there was always a, there was this horse that was there that I always yep. walked past the horse. Like it was just, so, it was the most random thing in the world. And, you know, we had elk that would run through the outfield and, you know, we had guys late for practice and, um, cause they had been out turkey hunting. Like it was, <laughs> it was definitely, it was a trip. And I freaked out one day cause I saw like, it looked like smoke coming from Mount Adams. I don't know what it was. And I'd never seen a mountain that looked like there was smoke coming from it. So I freaked out, canceled <laughs> practice and, but yeah, I, I loved it up there. It was a beautiful place. Yeah, it's it. I love it up here in the Northwest. Oh yeah, because there's the complete different sides, like Washington State, because you got the east side just dry and like farmland, and then on the west side just rain and forest. Yeah, I loved it. It was it was amazing. It was a good it was a good start. It was a good beginning of my coaching career. So, so then it looks like that you uh, liked the cold. So then you went to uh, Alaska. Yeah. So, well, after, after that 2005 season, um, I actually went back to go visit my family, um, down in California and my the head coach at Edison high school called me and asked if I wanted to come back there to coach. And it was my brother's senior year. And I was like, you know, I think this would be pretty cool. Um, so I actually moved back to Huntington beach and spent the next four years at Edison high school, uh, coaching down there. And we had some good teams and really enjoyed it. Um, but I really wanted to coach college ball. Like that was really my, like that was my, my thing um, mm-hmm. that I really wanted to get into. And, you know, junior colleges in Southern California are really good and, and they're very competitive. The coaches have been at it for a long time. So I really wanted to get into junior college. And I was actually in Germany at the time in the summer of 2009. And I was sending out resumes and stuff to, to coaches that were in the Orange Empire Conference. Oh well. And finally got a job at Irvine Valley College um and you know went there soon literally the day after I got back from Germany I started up at, at Irvine Valley. And the following year um I got a job as an assistant in the Cape Cod League. And so I spent the next summer out in the Cape Cod League and um after that when I was still at IVC I got a head coaching job with the Anchorage Bucks in the Alaska League for for summer ball. Um, so I spent four summers up there in Alaska doing, um, doing that in the, in the Alaska league. Oh, wow. So you went all over. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's a grind right there. Yeah, it was fun. 
it was the, the time on a lot. I mean, summer ball was a blast for me. And I loved going yeah. to Alaska. You know, I'd never had really any aspirations of going to Alaska. And once I got up there and, you know, besides the quality of baseball in that league and, and just mm. the people, like I, I worked for a great GM. Um, I worked for, you know, worked in a great city. The, the, the scene up there is just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The people are cool, you know, and the sun doesn't go down and you're fishing at three o'clock in the morning, you know, yeah. trying to pull salmon out. It was really incredible. Yeah, because I think my favorite memories are playing in summer ball. Oh, well, because yeah. I played up, uh, I guess, up here in Yakima uh, for the Yakima Valley Pack for American Legion. And it, like the summertime up here, it's, I mean, it, it's hot, but it's, you play against like the most amazing teams and it's just always fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Summer ball's fun. How was, coaching up at the cape cod league i'd say because that's like that's like one of the top leagues in the nation yeah there's there's nothing better than that i mean the talent that's there was just incredible i think we probably had seven or eight big leaguers that were on our team you know we had so many so many guys you know in the league that year guys that are still playing in the big leagues um you know we had we had a workout at fenway one day and i remember watching george springer hit balls over the lights and at fenway. i mean it was just an incredible incredible time we you know kyle hendricks was with us and we had some really good players uh with some you know guys that were at big schools high draft picks you know from me being at a junior college coaching these guys from lsu and texas and you know some of these really big school miami yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun and you start to see like regionally how different the game is just based on how the guys would go about it and, yeah. Um, it was a really good, good experience. And that definitely helped me get the job, you know, up in Alaska. So that my time in the Cape was, was, a, was an absolute blast. How did you get, uh, I guess into the player development side? Uh, was that like a pretty natural thing? I guess like being a coach or is that a complete different? Place? Well, my, no, like my, um, my goal really the whole time was to coach division one baseball. Yeah. And so when I, when I was, I spent the four years at Irvine Valley and, and finally got the volunteer assistant job at UNLV. And like, we were really good. Went to a regional that year with really good players. Um, it was there for one year and then left to go to the university of New Mexico, spent three years there. And after my third year, it was just, you know, it was kind of time for me to move on. I was a volunteer assistant. I loved mm-hmm. it. It was kind of a grind. You know, I was going all over the place doing camps, um, doing a ton of lessons. You know, we had good teams coming in there and, um, really liked where I was at, you know, I enjoyed Albuquerque. I, lo- I, 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 mean, I loved it. I had a great time and it just got to a point where I was like, well, you know, where am I going to go from here? And I was kind of obviously frustrated with, you know, not being able to move out of the position that I was in to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I asked my, my wife, you know, well, what are we going to do? And we basically decided that we were moving to Phoenix. Um, and I was taking a job at South mountain community college and I was going to teach and coach there and, like we'll figure it out we'll see what happens you know <laughs> and i'd already interviewed with the dodgers starting in like november of 16 mm-hmm. and that process had taken about four months and i ended up not getting the job and gabe kapler was our farm director at the time and gabe had called me and told me that you know they, they'd hired somebody else and that we would keep in touch and if anything opened up he'd let me know so kind of went through the summer at new mexico and did all the camps and stuff there and at the towards the end of the summer um, you know, in July or so, Gabe had called me and said, Hey, we got a, we got a spot opened up and you'd be interested. I was like, yeah, of course. And a week later, you know, he had, he had offered me the job. And so luckily we had actually just moved out here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so we were already here and I was going to be here in the Arizona league. And it was really kind of, you know, a, a fairly easy transition. It was kind mm-hmm. of a weird time of the year because the guys were, you know, it was early August. Yeah. That's... Um, guys were toward this at the end of their season, you know, and here I am like the new guy coming in towards the end of the year. Um, so it took a little bit of time for me to understand kind of where I could put my, you know, my input in just mm-hmm. to make sure I'm not, you know, jumping in at the, at the end of the year where guys have been working with, you know, certain coaches for a certain amount of time. And um, so I kind of was a little bit hands off at that time. Um, but then we had our instructional league and kind of got a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, started meeting more people, you know, we made it, made it to the World series that year. So we got to go out to LA and went down to our Academy in the Dominican Republic a couple of times. So I started to like get to know some more people in the organization and, you know, pieces kind of started to fall into place a little bit more in terms of what my role would be. And, and, uh, you know, just, just getting to know everybody and starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Was it a big jump uh, from going from college ball to, to going professional, like in a big organization? It's definitely different. Um, you know, in college, college baseball, you know, you're, you need to win. And, yeah. and there's teams like, again, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, there's development that's going on in, in college baseball. Like, you know, there's some really, really good programs that develop guys that, that get players drafted that have not been drafted. Um, and they go out and they go into pro ball and they flourish. The problem is like that idea of having to win is always kind of hanging over your head. Mm-hmm. So every, every game you're playing every single game and every moment to win. And it's not with like development in mind. It's with succeeding and, and winning in mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like we do, we want to win, you know, that's, like we really truly feel, you know, we've had a lot of success in the minor leagues and, and part of their development is winning mm-hmm. and learning how to win. And when they get to the big leagues, continue winning. Um, but, you know, we can also take that time to really develop guys. You know, we don't have to rush them. We don't have to, like, if a guy has a bad weekend, we don't have to rush him to make a quick swing change so that yeah. you know, the following day he's ready to go. Like we can, we can kind of slow play it a little bit more. And so that, that was an adjustment for me. Like I really had to slow my roll a little bit because I wanted like adjustments to happen a lot quicker because that was kind of what I was used to the previous, you know, 14 years with like, we, let's address it. Like let's identify what's wrong. Let's address it. And then if he gets immediate results, then obviously like the fix has happened. Yeah. But sometimes you just end up putting a bandaid on things and he, he feels like a, an opposite reaction to like what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And the long, the long-term adjustment does, doesn't actually play out. So, so in that sense, like, yeah, there is a, a slower play that's happening at this level. And I definitely had to learn that um, kind of the hard way. I'll, I'll say, let me tell you this for a We do yeah. have like, one of the things I, I noticed was the players that we have coming from, you know, high school or college baseball have a ton of game experience under their belt. So a lot of the game stuff, again, this isn't to say that they are like ready to roll on day one but they have played a significant amount of games in their career, especially when you start to take into consideration where different guys are from. Mm-hmm. When we, you, you mix in a lot of the players that we get from Latin America, where they've really honed in like their skill work. So those guys that can, they can really throw, like they can, they can swing it with some. Oh, they're uh, smooth. Yeah. Some bat speed, you know, some, some ability to field and, and do some things that are like really special. Um, but probably don't have like the overall game experience that some of some of the players here do 
just because they they do focus from a younger age on their own skill development mm. versus like that that need to win every single game. I mean, their their goal is to get signed, go play for an organization, you know, get out of their academy and and get into the team stateside and get out to an affiliate. So their their motivation is is very much, you know, at least up front to hone in their skills so that they can get themselves ready to go. And then a lot of those guys, they put in so much work, like they become really incredible teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's definitely, and that was a big adjustment for me too. Like having a lot of players from Latin America on our teams, um, you know, and then learning to communicate with those guys and yeah. really trying to work on some Spanish. So there, there is a lot of, there's a lot of like cultural differences. And I think those things are really what makes professional baseball a lot, a lot of fun and, and really special. Yeah, it was. Uh, so back in 2018, uh, I moved down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I played on a, uh, it was, it was like a, what was like a men's baseball league Mm -hmm. and it was by country and it was all Latin American teams. And I was playing for the Cuban team and it it was there alone. I noticed like playing with them, they are like, like the passion level. It's through the roof. They are all fundamentally sound and it's, it's amazing. I was blessed like to be able like to play with players from yeah. down there. It's a lot of fun. And you start to see those the relationships develop between the players and it's it's really I mean, it really is cool. Um once you get in there and you start to see it, you know, and you see different just when you get guys like I feel like a lot of times with college baseball especially, like you get some some teams that are put together more regionally. Mm-hmm. So when you get a school out west and you're gonna have a lot of West Coast players and you, know, you start getting into the Southwest and you get kids from, you know, here in Arizona or Vegas, Southern California that are playing and, you know, ungodly amount of games every year. Yeah. And then you get some of the guys up in the Northwest that are probably not playing as much because of the weather. Yeah. You know, you get guys from the Dominican and Venezuela, you know, they're, they're working, those guys are working year round. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's really cool to see. And that was also like a big thing that I noticed down in Florida. It's just, they play baseball all year round. Yeah. Well, I mean like for me now, cause all I just play is slow pitch softball, but it was pretty, I mean, it was amazing to play in like December because yeah. up here you cannot do that. Yeah, I'm sure. No, there's yeah. So I went down to uh San Diego uh, in 2013. It was like a, it was like this like camp down at uh university of San Diego. And I was the only kid from the Northwest. It was all other kids from like Southern California, Arizona, and they were all, ready to go. And I just, I literally had to get ready because I didn't hit or throw for months. And it was just, there's phenomenal skills down there. There's probably some kids right now from some warm weather places that are going through that, that haven't, they're trying to start playing right now that have just taken like the last three months off Yeah, and haven't been playing anywhere near at the level or practicing at the level that they had been. So this is probably a very new experience for some of those kids that are in some areas that, that get, that are fortunate enough to play year round. Yeah. We had this uh, kid also uh, when I played about Wenatchee Valley college, he's from uh, Hawaii mm-hmm. and they play all year round. Yeah. Su- yep. Super jealous of those guys. No, no doubt. Right. How was, how was growing up in uh, Huntington beach playing ball down there? It was good. I mean, you know, the, the the kind of the era that I grew up in, like in the, I mean, I graduated from high school in 1999. 
Um, there's a lot of a lot of good players in there, you know, especially when you get some of those guys in, you know, Long Beach and um, Orange County, San Diego, you know, there was a lot of talent out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the club, like travel ball thing wasn't as big as it is right now. It was kind of just getting going. So it's huge now. Yeah, it's it's really big now. And I think there's different, probably um, different reasons for having so many teams. Um, Agreed. I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Lot, I can open <laughs> a lot of can of worms. But yeah, I think there's, you know, there's just a lot of teams. And so there's not like, it's not as exclusive necessarily. Um, you know, everybody's got the, you know, elite and these words that are associated with it for average teams and like while you throw out elite that that should mean something but we just didn't have all those things you know we had Mm. we had our connie mac that we played and we had our scout ball and then our high school team um so we got to know you know guys from san diego and guys from um like long beach and you know we'd go up and play at blair field for our connie mac games at long beach state and those were it was it was pretty gnarly like you you were when you come when you go up to long beach in the 90s and like late 90s yeah you're from orange county and you haven't experienced baseball when those guys are playing against each other in their high schools like they they're serious they mean it it was cool that's badass yeah we didn't have that in orange county (laughs) no see we uh no they're actually playing a summer ball up here right now well not not in yakima because they're actually not allowed to yet okay yeah, but they're going over to like Montana and playing. Yeah, yeah, it's different. You know, you see like the different states opening up, and you know how baseball is getting going, and some of the different regulations. Um, my brother coaches high school in Southern California, and I got a still bunch of friends in New Mexico, and um, you know some of the things that they're that they're having them do in terms of you know safety precautions. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I get it, there's also a point where it's like, you know, if we got to have everybody in their bubble to play baseball, let's let's just hold off on playing baseball. You know. Yeah. We can't Clorox, Clorox wipe the ball every time a pitch is made. That would make a long game even longer. Yeah, it's, a long, uh, it's a long day. That would be rough. So how did you get into uh, being the minor league rookie coach? For the, for um, yeah, my, my role's kind of evolved since I've, since I've gotten here, since I came here in 2017. Um, you know, I got here more as like a hitting coach, kind of helping with the hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love offense. I love like creating offense and working with hitters. Um, but we just, we have so many guys in our organization coach wise that are so good working with the swing and like, I'm nowhere near as good as those guys are. Um, so as much as I enjoyed working with hitters, I think there was just so many better guys than I, than I was with like that aspect of it. And I really mm-hmm. love catching. I, I love catching. I, I, that's my favorite thing. Um, so I, I, it morphed more into like me helping out with catchers. Um, our catching coordinator who's in my opinion, the best that there is, um, gave me a lot of responsibilities during spring training last year when he was in big league camp. So I, I got a lot of time working more with the catchers, which I absolutely loved. I mean, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then once we kind of broke into like our teams, uh, after spring training, you know, I was kind of coaching third base and, and running offense and working with catchers. So for me, the role was perfect. Like I loved yeah. it. I loved being able to work with catchers, coach third, run the offense. Like that know, was everything like, that you wanted right there. Yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And then this past year, uh, our manager was coaching third. 
and I was still working with catchers. Um, I was doing more of our defensive shifts, and then I, I went over to third uh, the latter half of the year. And so I kind of got like a little bit more experience doing some more stuff in terms of looking at data, looking at spray charts, you know, being able to position our guys based off how we um, how we play defensively. So it just kind of morphed, like I said, into into these different areas that I kind of covered. And mm-hmm. you know, our our farm director told me in um, during during our instruction league and just asked if I had any interest in managing. And I said, you know, absolutely. And so I was pretty lucky when he when he um, offered me the spot in Ogden. So I, I was really excited about that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it was cool. It's a bummer it's not happening this year, but you know, just keep going. Hopefully, in the future. Yeah, 2020 should just end. Like this whole year should just be yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of people would be okay with that. Deep sigh on that one. Yeah. Um, do you have any final advice uh, for the listeners who are trying to get into coaching? No. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, I do. But like, there, there's not the, the whole thing is like, there's not one path, you know, mm-hmm. there, there is, there's not one path into coaching. And, you know, like you don't really know exactly where you're going to wind up or, or what you want to do, you know, and I think with the coaching side of it, like, I, I've literally been at every level. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I coached freshman in high school, varsity, junior college, division one, and now in the minor leagues. And I've loved every step of the way. I, I wouldn't take back any step that I've gone through because I think that would take away from like my own development as a coach. So you have to go through that, that process. There's a lot of guys that want to coach division one baseball because, you know, they want to be able to go and put on the visor and the polo and, and go yeah. look sweet recruiting. You know, if that's your thing, like that's cool. That's your thing. There's you know, good money in college baseball. Um, you know, you get to go play some great places. I had a blast going and playing some of those big programs, um, you know, and then the other side is there's the coaches in college that like just love that competitive environment and they mm-hmm. just love digging in with the players and, and being able to work with student athletes. Um, and, you know, and then there's the guys that love high school baseball. There's a lot of really good high school baseball coaches. There's guys coaching high school baseball that could be coaching division one. They could be division one head coaches. They could be minor league managers. You know, there's guys that are really good. They just chose to be at that level you know, maybe it's because it was convenient for their family life. Maybe it was more conducive to what they wanted to have overall in their life and not just centered around coaching. Some of them were maybe our teachers and they love their teaching. Some of them are teachers who, who coach. Like there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily like, I think a lot of times you see it all over Twitter. You know, I'm not the biggest Twitter fan in the world, but you see a lot of guys and it's like, as soon as I put a, a, a you know, a organization uniform on, you know, all of a sudden they have all the answers and people are, you know, rushing to them. And it's like, well, you know, some of these guys have been doing this a long time. They just happened to, you know, work to, to where that's where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think knowing that, like being able to like take your time, go through the steps, go through the process, go through, you know, wherever you're at, like that's your big leagues. You know, if you're a freshman coach, like that's your big leagues. Dude, nobody cares what's happening with the Dodgers yeah. if, you're, if your team sucks. If you're a bad coach, if you're not working with your guys, if you're not invested in your guys, what we do doesn't matter one bit to those players. So like invest in your guys, wherever you're at, you know, make them a priority, making your prep, make your preparation a a priority. Um, You know, and if if you want to move on and you want to go to other places, like 
know, figure out what you offer to that organization or that program that somebody else may not, you know, why are you hire? Why would somebody hire you? You know, what makes you marketable to um, a team that would potentially be hiring you? So, you know, the only thing I would say is just meet people, you know, keep in contact and, and do it authentically, not for the sake of, you know, checking a box saying that, Oh, I contacted this guy X amount of times. Like keep in contact, care. And, uh, you know, for the most part, you hope those things wind up working out if you if you're able to do those things. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I am very anxious to see what happens. So am I. <laughs> I, I, de- I definitely am. Well, so well, thank you once again. You got it. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Alrighty, take care. You too. Big thank you to Tony. I do look forward to seeing you down in spring training next year. 2021, hopefully spring training is up and going. We're all sick and tired of COVID. Tony's actually, he's uh, he's a big bourbon connoisseur as well. He does a few blog posts here and there of just saying like about his own opinions about the bourbon. So you guys should definitely check that out. So here shortly as well, I am going to do a pre-sale on Loaded Bases t-shirts. I will have white shirts with the black logo, and I will also have black shirts with the white logo as well. So be on the lookout for that pre-sale. As always, a huge thank you to Routine Baseball for all the apparel that I wear throughout my episodes. Routine, Routine Baseball has got me covered. They started out of a basement producing tees, and now they're shipping apparel and accessories across the globe. And that's it for this one. Oh, and go Cubs. Oh, 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 oh.